Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of Beyond the Zero. I'm your host, Ben. Joining me is author Sean McCallum. Sean is the author of The Recalcitrant Stuff of Life, Out and Fall from Outcast Press. Thanks for joining us on Beyond the Zero, Sean. All right, Ben. Hey, thanks Thanks a lot for having me. We're uh, really excited to, to talk about the book. And uh, yeah, we're thrilled to, or we, I'm thrilled to be a part of this. This is going to be great. So yeah, the uh, the book, The Recalcitrant Stuff of Life. It's funny. I Obviously, I came up with that title and I can barely say the uh, the word recalcitrant. So that's a, that's a question I get most often asked is, what, what does that even mean? But uh, yeah, the title I stole from um, an old uh, uh, literary, old bit of literary criticism by Lionel Trilling when he talks about the uh, the work of Ernest Hemingway and uh, and William Faulkner being hard at work on the recalcitrant stuff of life. So I, I remember reading that and thinking that was a really great turn of phrase. And lo and behold, we we turn it into the name of the book. But um, yeah, the, this this is a book about. Uh, I guess it's a book about searching uh, for a lot of different things, and, and mainly we've got uh, the main character um, has had some trauma in his life, and uh, he's running away and hiding um, in a town in Peru, a place called Iquitos, which is uh, famous for being the largest city in the world that cannot be accessed by roads. So you've got the dynamic of a big city uh, in the heart of the Amazon that's extremely difficult to get to, uh, and he's hiding out in this city, really just trying to deal with the trauma that he's experienced. Uh, and then there's uh, you know something some news at home um, that he needs to be tracked down so he can go and take care of uh, some things at home. So he's got uh, his two buddies, uh, oldest friends uh, who are two complete opposites. Uh, they set out on this journey to try to track him down in this exceedingly difficult place uh, to get to uh, and try to find him so they can bring him home to, uh, uh, to deal with what he needs to deal with uh, at home. And so um, you've got sort of the dynamic of uh, this this guy in the jungle in this town hiding out and then his two buddies trying to track him down and that whole adventure of, of trying to find him uh and it winds up um deep uh sort of in the heart of the amazon uh with a shaman uh and there's some ayahuasca involved and uh i can i can tell you that uh in writing this book uh i participated in some some sort of gonzo journalism and uh <laughs> so when i was when i was reaching researching this I actually went to Iquitos and spent uh, about two weeks with a shaman um, experimenting with uh, the ayahuasca medicine, which is a whole story in and of itself. But uh, that's sort of that's sort of the, the, what the what the book is about. But uh, there's um, you know there's I guess a larger story behind writing that book and in the path that that led me down. So um, are you okay with me talking about that? Yeah. <laughs> Can I indulge you? This sounds like an it's, epic uh, tale. So it's really interesting. So I. It's something. Uh, it's interesting the way life works sometimes. So, um, you know, uh, before we started recording, Ben and I were talking about uh, writing and, and, and where that's led us. And uh, in my late 20s, I'd written manuscript and uh, got, got close to, to having it published, but it ultimately uh, went back in the drawer, as many manuscripts do. Uh, and so I had this idea to, to try, try to start writing something new. And I, and I had this idea uh, to write this book uh, about Iquitos because it was just this fascinating place that I was enamored with. So um, I booked a flight to Lima, flew into Lima, checked into a hostel um, on Halloween. Uh, and as I was checking in, there was a, a pretty young lady working the front desk and it was her very first day on the job. And I got talking to her and, and that night there was a Halloween party uh, at the hostel. So fortunately I was wearing a mask, couldn't see my face and uh, we struck up a, a pretty good conversation. 
I had a great night hanging out together. But uh, the next day I got on a, uh, a plane and flew into Iquitos to spend two weeks with this shaman and then, you know, doing the, the whole ayahuasca thing and really having my, uh, my consciousness expanded and my, my world exploded. And it was just an amazing two weeks deep, deep in the, in the heart of the jungle. Um, but anyway, when I flew flew back to Lima for one night before flying back to Toronto. I reconnected with this young lady and we had a, a great night, of course. And, uh, and then I flew back to Toronto and through the magic of uh, Skype and MSN Messenger, we were able to stay in touch. And uh, I went back down to Peru three months later uh, to uh, really see where this relationship was going to go with this young lady. And we ended up getting married a year later and uh, she lives now in Canada with me. We've got two kids and it's uh, it's a pretty amazing thing. So I mean, I've spent obviously a ton of time in Peru. Her whole family's still down there. Um, so that you know, there's a lot of research that went in into writing this book from the time I spent in Peru. But uh, it's you know, I went down there to write a book and <laughs> wound up with a wife and two kids. So it's sort of sort of interesting the way the way it all worked out. But uh, so this book has been rewarding for me uh, on a bunch of different levels and uh you know it's it's being published uh uh it's out october 15th without cast press and uh it's a great little uh indie publisher uh based out of the u.s and, and we're really stoked uh, to get it out into the world we feel pretty strongly that people are going to like it that sounds like such a great novel it, would you describe it as a bit of a road trip it is yeah it's it's certainly I mean, you've got these two guys. It is, it's sort of like a buddy cop movie, <laughs> you know, uh, except uh, going, doing some trans Andean bus uh, travel uh, and then a, a three day trip down the Amazon river on, on the slow boat to Aikido. So you got a lot of that sort of road trip element um, with two guys who really couldn't be more opposite. You've got one who's like a, you know, a high finance, very straight, straight conservative guy. And then you've got the other guy who's like, a, you know, a roofer, <laughs> womanizer, deadbeat dad. They really just couldn't be two, two more opposite guys. So you got this interesting dynamic of the, of the two of them working back and forth. Uh, and, and then you've got the whole, um, the whole ayahuasca thing. And, and it gets into some, some pretty profound concepts about, you know, the nature of, of life and the meaning of life and the origins of the universe. And there's just a lot, there's a lot going on there. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that people are going to enjoy it. Sounds good. That sounds like such there's, a good read. There's yeah, there's some bad language though. It's funny. I'm like, I don't know if my mom's going to like this, you know, there's uh, I try to, I try to have the characters stay true to the, the degenerates I know, you know, so they sort of speak in that, in that way that a lot of guys I know speak. And so there's some four letter words, some unsavory language, but hopefully readers will, uh, they'll be accepting of that. So while we're on degenerates, uh, let's talk about your publishers. <laughs> What's that? I said, while we're on Degenerates, let's talk about your publishers. I've had some good things Outcast about them. Press. Yeah, we're, uh, we're a happy uh, band of weirdos. Now, I shouldn't say we, because I, I certainly don't work for Outcast Press, but we've obviously fostered a really nice relationship over the past number of months. And um, Ben, you know, before, before we started recording, we were talking about what an amazing time it is to live, um, you know, just being able to, to connect with, with the weirdos that uh, are sort of kindred spirits. And uh, so the folks at, at Outcast, they're a, really a transgressive fiction um, outfit, um, and they were publishing, um, uh, you know, short stories, compilations. And uh, I just reached out to Sebastian, who's uh, sort of the owner at Outcast, and said, "Hey, I've you know I've got this manuscript. I think it might be right in your wheelhouse. Would you would you be interested in taking a look at it?" And he said, "No, you know, we're not. We don't really do novels, but 
you know, give me the synopsis of it and we'll see if, if, if we're interested. So I sent him a synopsis, pretty much the longest Twitter DM that anyone's ever sent. <laughs> and uh, he hit me right back up. He says, Hey, this, this sounds good. Send me the first three chapters. So sent the first three chapters and, you know, the first, uh, the opening line of the book is probably, you know, it's what probably drives a lot of publishers away, but it, it caught Sebastian's attention right away. It's the, the opening line is how the fuck did I get here? And uh, it sort of goes from there. And he said, like, you had me at the first line, you know, so I <laughs> uh, sent him the whole work uh, and him and, and the editor, uh, Paige Johnson, they just, they, they loved it. Um, and so they said, you know, we, we weren't planning on getting it in novels, but we feel pretty strongly that, that this is where we want to start. So um, we've been working pretty feverishly to, to get it edited and Paige has been amazing to work with uh, the editor at Outcast. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those fortuitous things, you know, um, there, there was a time where the guys at Outcast or the, the folks at Outcast, I would have never connected with them. I live just outside Toronto in Canada. They're sort of scattered about the U S you know, Ben, you're, you're, <laughs> you're in Sydney. Uh, it's amazing that, to, that we're able to connect and, and get these things done. So yeah, the, the folks at Outcast Press, definitely if, if you guys uh, listening out there, haven't hit them up, check them out. They're doing some really amazing things. They're not afraid to take a chance. They took a chance on me and taking a chance on some really progressive writers. And, uh, and so we're excited to, to get it into the world. I can't wait for that. I'll be, I'll be pre-ordering that as soon as I can. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. No pre-order yet, but uh, we're, we're hoping soon. Um, I will, I will say this about, about Outcast though. I, it's funny. I, I'd never even heard the term transgressive fiction before. And, uh, you know, I feel like <laughs> if I tell them that they, they may, they may kick me out, but I'd honestly, I'd never heard the term before. Um, but after, you know, diving into what, what they do and, and some of the writers that they love, I'm like, Oh, I guess, I guess that's what I write It's transgressive fiction. Cause it's got some of that bad language and, it dives into some of the, the darker parts of, of life. And, and uh, again, that's, that's what scares some publishers away, but it's uh, you know, I just set out to write the book that I would want to read. And fortunately they, um, they were willing to take a chance on it. So yeah, we're, we're pretty stoked to get it out into the world. Excellent. Well, I'm sure all of our listeners will be out there reading that very soon. All right. I love it. We'll take a quick break here on beyond the zero and be back with Sean's to be read pile. This episode of Beyond the Zero is brought to you by Dick's Pizza. You haven't eaten pizza till you've eaten Dick's. Welcome back. Let's talk about your to be red pile, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm thrilled. It's funny. And just you know, for the listeners out there, when, uh, when Ben at Dick's Pizza, by the way, best Twitter handle on the internet without question, when, uh, when Ben asked if I'd participate in, in this sort of conversation, I said, honestly, I feel like I've been waiting my whole life uh, for someone to ask me this. It, I, I've never been in a book club. I, I know a bunch of women who are in book clubs. They've never invited me. I think because I'm a man. And so I've always been very jealous. I've never, never had anyone to talk books with. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk about what, uh, what I'm into and, and, and what I'm reading these days. Excellent. Well, first of all, what do you prefer to read? A paperback, hardback, or a Kindle? What's your? Uh, it's it's got to be a hard copy. It's traditionally paperback, just uh, f- from a monetary perspective. Of course, I've got a couple of hardbacks. Most of them are secondhand. <laughs> but yeah, got to read a hard copy. I've never been able to to read on a Kindle. What uh, What about yourself? What's your preferred uh, uh, medium? Definitely, definitely a hard copy. Yeah, I. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a different reading experience completely. I think to to read something that you can hold and you can look at and you can put in your shelves and it is a 
completely different experience. Absolutely. And my, my buddies hate it. Cause whenever we have to move, I've got like, you know, I've got tons of books and I've got tons of vinyl records. Like there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing heavier that takes up more space than those two items. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of having the hard cotton. Mm. So what, like what I'm we uh, weeding, what I'm reading right now is, uh, is Tommy, Tommy waits any day you can die. Um, I I'd, I'd heard him on a podcast talking about, his book. And honestly, I, I was like, I cannot order that thing fast enough. Um, it, uh, it's, 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 a, it covers like a lot of the ground that, uh, um, that the book that, 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 that I'm publishing uh, in a couple of months covers. It's just, you know, it's uh, degenerate uh, expats hanging out in South America. I'm like, this could not be more in my wheelhouse. So uh, I had that uh, ordered up on Amazon again, what an amazing world we live in. We got, uh, we've got an author, in, uh, in Australia, I order his book and it shows up the next day. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and so just reading that, I mean, his, his writing style is outstanding. It is absolutely what I'm into. And uh, it, it really, honestly, I'd, I'd like to think mine reads a little bit like, like that sort of style. So um, I feel a little bit like uh, Tommy and I who've never met, but I feel like we may be kindred spirits a little bit. We, uh, <laughs> we're, we're into a lot of the same thing. So that's what I'm reading right now. I'm halfway through it. It's uh, it's phenomenal. Um, have you read that one, Ben? I'm halfway through it as well. We interviewed yeah, yeah. him uh, this week, so yeah, you can catch him on nice. our shows. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, so that is what uh, that is what I'm halfway through. Uh, next up on the list is uh, Stephen J. Golds. I don't know if you know if you know his work. So he's another transgressive writer here. I'll uh, I'll pray when I'm dying. So I've not read his stuff yet, but. Uh, working that's that's next up on the list and uh he's he's a big guy i know he's really tight with outcast um and so uh yeah I, i'm really stoked to get into that one and then i try to do like i try to mix in you know contemporary stuff with some of the the big books that i should be reading from uh you know from from my days studying english literature um so i've got uh i've got absalom absalom by william faulkner which i've never read i'm a huge faulkner fan but i've never read this one so uh, I don't know if, have you read, have you read that one? I haven't read that one yet. That's on my list to be read, yeah. but yeah, I haven't read it yet. Yeah. It's on the to be read list. And then this one, this I'm going to save. this is, uh, uh, yeah, obviously if everyone, anyone's listening, they can't see what I'm holding up, but Moby Dick, I've never read. Uh, so that's on the list too. That's probably going to be this winter. I'm going to spend, uh, probably a couple months <laughs> getting through that one, but I try to read like one of the great sort of um, works from the canon every year. That's sort of a, a goal that I have. And so um, I finished uh, earlier this year. Um, I read Ulysses and honestly, that took me three months to get through. <laughs> so I try to mix in some, I'm not going to say lighter fare, but uh, those books take a lot out of you. So um, I do. Uh, yeah, Moby there Dick is a is very good section. Read. There's a good section in Moby Dick on whale penises though. On uh, whale penises. There you go. <laughs> All right. Good. So you've read it. You've read this one, obviously. Yeah, Moby Dick. Yeah, it's a, it's a great book. It is a really good book. And so is Ulysses. You can't really go past Ulysses. Uh, and then, and then, then I guess sort of the last one on the to be read list is a book called Stoner by uh, John Williams. Don't know if you know that one. Yeah. Also, I, I heard about it again on Twitter. Have you read that one? Yeah, I have read Stoner and I've read some of his other work as well. And it's nice to see, you know, an author coming back to life after being off the radar for so long. Yeah. Awesome. So, so how is Stoner? Would you recommend it? It is a fantastic book, but it is fucking depressing. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, I was talking to a buddy the other day 
about Cormac McCarthy and just how dark and depressing his work is, would you say that's more or less depressing than something like, uh, I don't know, The Road or Blood Meridian? It's less depressing than those Cormac McCarthy books, but it has a, it's got a really terrible marriage in it. And uh, it is, it just kind of goes downhill. It's a, it's yeah. But Cormac McCarthy, I think rules for, you know, depressive fiction at the moment. Oh yeah. I mean, his right. It's amazing. His writing style is it's the most beautiful, like the way he structures sentences, it's mind boggling. The guy's just a perfect writer. But my goodness, it is just like, it's like Blood Meridian. I, it took me a while to get through that because it's just like, it's just relentless, <laughs> relentless violence and gore. And oh my gosh, it's, it's rough. Beautiful, but rough. Yeah. A lot of scalpings. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> in, in, in killing of, of, of small children and babies. It's just, it's tough, man. If, uh, if you've got kids, that those are, those are tough to read about, which I know you do, so. Yeah, so that's on the to be read list. Um, so yeah, and then and one more. Sorry, I didn't hold this one up. Uh, good, good buddy of mine uh, from university, J.R. McConvey, great Canadian writer. He's got this book of short stories called Different Beasts. This is going to be a reread for me, uh, but I wanted to give him some love. He's a phenomenal writer, and uh, I, I read his uh, his book of short stories a year ago. It's fantastic, and uh, I'm going to dive back into that one again. Uh, just because it's worth a reread. So yeah, J.R. McConvey, got to give my my fellow Canadian writers some love. So with your books, what gets you into a book? What makes you pick up a book from the bookshop or on Amazon? Yeah, th- a great question. It's, uh, I mean, really, it's 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 the first page, and it's just the style of the writing that that draws me in. Um, and I, I've I've said since you know since I knew how to read and what I knew what, what good what good literature was but you can tell whether or not you're going to like a book by the end of the first page and I stand by that um you know when people say hey what's what's that book about it's 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 never for me it's never about what it's about it's just how is it written what's the the voice um of the narr- of the narrator and, and the voice of that writer um does it read like a conversation and and if it's sort of that addictive style like I love, you know, if you read any Dave Eggers, it's just like the most, it's the easiest thing to read because it just flows like you're having a conversation with a guy. Jay McInerney's the same way. And um, so, you know, I just, writers, if, if that, if that first page captures me just because of the, the style of the writing, that's usually what does, what does it for me. Um, but again, just over the past year being on Twitter, just hearing recommendations from people saying, Hey, read this book. And this is why I'm like, Oh, you know what? I, I would have never come across stoner if, if it weren't for, for Twitter. Right. So um, th- that's, that's another way I find myself getting into books is just on the recommendations of, um, of, of trusted resources. Um, so yeah, it's that first page. It's, it's hearing from people um, who, who I trust and, and value their opinions on. I've got a, a couple of uncles of mine who just have an amazing um, eye for fiction and honestly, in my in my teens, they were they were my conduit to to all great writing. They would just say, "Hey, you've got to read this book," and I I trusted them blindly. I've just by recommending, you know, phenomenal phenomenal writers that I probably would have otherwise never read. So yeah, it's 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 that first page, and it's a recommendation from from a trusted resource. Would you have a gateway book? A gateway book? Oh man. Uh well, there's, there's multiple, but yeah. Like, do you mean like what, what sort of sent me down a path of yeah. reading certain things? Yeah. Oh man. Ah, oh, that's, that's such an awesome question. I, 
so going back, I, I mean, I don't know if you're the same. It's like the, the books that stick with you are the ones that you read at a young and very impressionable age. And, you know, we'll talk about our top 10 and, and some of these will be reflected in that. But like, um, I remember reading uh, John Steinbeck's East of Eden when I was uh, 18 years old. And that just, and I love Steinbeck's writing and that just blew my mind. And, and that, you know, that sent me down a path that was a gateway book for me. Um, Gravity's Rainbow, which we'll certainly talk about. I studied that one. Um, we spent six weeks <laughs> in like my, my third year American lit class in university studying Thomas Pynchon. And that, I mean, just blew my mind and opened me up to a whole new world of, of, of writing. And, and you just, I didn't think it was possible to write that way and to get away with writing that way. You know, that was certainly a, a gateway book for me. Um, uh, who else? Um, even Cormac McCarthy. I, I came to Cormac McCarthy later on in life. Um, it's only been over the past couple of years, but his, again, just the way he writes, it's just opened my mind, opened my, my mind to a, to a whole bunch of different things. So those are three that, that come to mind. I'm sure there'll be, there'll be others that come to me as, as we go, but those are the ones that, that sort of strike me as, as gateways. What, but what about yourself? I'd be, I'd be interested in, 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 in your, uh, your gateway books. I think, Again, like as, as a young reader, I think I was a pretty precocious reader when I was a kid. Um, and my dad would buy me, we would go to bookshops all the time and he would buy me anything I wanted, yeah. which I guess was a good thing and a bad thing. Um, we also yeah. had a garage like full of books. But I remember oh, really? as a child, I think this was probably a bit too early, but um, I'd read um, some of Roald Dahl's like adult fiction as a 10-year-old, which was oh, pretty, yeah. you know, which was pretty epic at the time. Yeah. And um then I stumbled into my dad's garage and he had some old like psychology textbooks. There's one on Freud and he had an old oh, copy yeah. of Lolita as well. So I actually read most of Lolita when I was about 14. And that was, just oh, a, no. that was a, I mean, an insane, um, an insane road to go down. And I don't think I understood yeah. any of it at the time, but um, yeah, it really just, um, I think what I, like I got this whole road trip out of that book where this guy's like, you know, going all over America and staying at hotels. And it was a, such an eye opener for someone that young. And then, you yeah. know, and then the library had Philip Roth books. And so, yeah, it just really set me down a, set me down a path. That is so cool. I, I can't imagine being a 14 year old reading Lolita. Yeah. I mean, are you just out there walking the streets looking, looking for your own Lolita at, at that point or what? <laughs> That's pretty much about the right age, isn't it? Like, you know. Yeah, I'd um, say so. That's great. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned road trips and that's, an, I mean, on the road, I remember reading that in, in high school and again, just that, that's a book that it reads like, I mean, it reads like the guy's just standing there telling you a story and, you know, at such a young and impressionable age, it's like, I didn't know you could write like that, you know, it's uh, so that's another one that was such a gateway. And I remember when I was uh, 21 i took a year i you know got halfway through school took a year off to work and then did a road trip sort of reenacting a lot of what those guys from on the road did uh, me and two buddies drove we took six weeks and drove all across the u.s and got into a lot of trouble you know as, as you do so but yeah that was that was a direct result of having read on the road and and uh that's a huge gateway book for me for sure let's take a quick break on beyond the zero and come back with sean's top 10 This episode of Beyond the Zero is brought to you by TikTok and the Chinese Communist Party. Join us now. We're back on Beyond the Zero with Sean McCallum. It's time to hear your top 10, Sean. All right. Well, I got to tell you, this was, I mean, this was an incredibly difficult to, to render it down to 10. 
I mean, honestly, I got, I, I've got my Mount Rushmore, my top four, I think are unassailable and they'll always be there. Um, so I've mentioned a couple of them already, like East of Eden, John Steinbeck, that I read that book when I was 18. It was, it was one that just came to me at the right time. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge Springsteen fan as well. And I don't know, uh, Ben, if, if you're a Springsteen fan, but he's got a, he's, he's got a, a song called Adam Raised a Cane, which is loosely based on, on East of Eden. Uh, and I just remember reading that book and being blown away by the betrayal and just the, you know, the silliness. Val- I mean, just, it's a beautiful book. It's heartbreaking. It's got, I mean, for my money, it's right up there with the, the best closing line, the best ending of, of any book I've, I've ever read. It's phenomenal. Um, you know, part of that road trip I did with my two buddies, we wound up in the Salinas Valley and I dragged them to the Steinbeck museum, which they were not thrilled about, but I was like, we're here, man, we're going. And it was, it was awesome. It was great. Um, so yeah, East of Eden right there at the, at the top of the lift, uh, top of the list on my Mount Rushmore. Um, another one, um, the sun also rises Ernest Hemingway. I had, a an amazing professor in university, uh, Ed Lobb is his name. He's retired now, lives in Toronto. We're still uh, Facebook buds. He's just an amazing man. And he, um, you know, he taught this book and it just, it blew my mind. Just again, the way it's written. Yeah. Hemingway's style is just so sparse, so spot on. And, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming you've read that one, Ben. Is that, is that safe to say? It is one of my favourite books. Yeah. It is right up there. And I think that with Hemingway, there is just such a, um, there's a glut of choice with him because he has written um, so many great novels. And I think he's, yeah. some of his shorter works are probably the best things in fiction. And yeah, yeah. but The Sun Also Rises is one of those books. You just want to hand everybody who's going past you, just shove it, yeah. in, their, shove it in their hands and they yeah. will go with it forever, I think. Um, yeah, man, Jake Barnes. And again, I'm a huge I'm a huge guy about that closing line in the way the sun also rises ends. I mean, Oh my gosh, just like the greatest, it's the greatest kiss off in all of literature. I mean, it's just absolutely perfect. So, um, and again, I like, uh, I like sort of flawed characters and there are fewer characters more flawed than the ones in, in, uh, the sun also rises. So awesome. You know, we, I, my, my wife and kids and I, uh, we went to Spain, uh, man, it's been probably it's been five or six years so long ago, but I just, I dragged them all over <laughs> to all the Hemingway joints. I mean, it was just, but it was awesome. I mean, it's a great way to see the world just following the footsteps of Ernest Hemingway. So that's, that's certainly on my Mount Rushmore. Um, and then, you know, Ben, the way you and I know each other is uh, for our affinity for Thomas Pynchon. So gravity's rainbow in third year, I had a great professor by the name of Jed, Jed Razzala. He, he's, he now teaches at uh, I think the university of Georgia, but we spent about six weeks just studying gravity's rainbow. And again, I just, I didn't know it was possible to write like that. I mean, <laughs> there's, you know, there's just, there's some scenes in there. We, we, my class had t-shirts made up said, I survived page 237. It's just got this like the most graphic, disturbing scene in all of literature. And uh, so again, I just, I didn't think it was possible to get away with writing like that. You know, uh, it's just phenomenal. And that book just continues to blow my mind. Um, and then of course you, and this is, you know, as a sidebar conversation. So I had something on Twitter about gravity's rainbow and, and you had alerted me to this Zach Smith book, which, uh, let me get the actual, what's the actual title It is uh, do you know, do you know the actual title? It's a tough one to, to remember. No, I know it's a, like every single page of gravity's rainbow illustrated, but, um, yeah, I can't think of the title. 
Yeah, it is. Sorry, I have to go grab it so I don't mess it up. Pictures showing what happens on each page of Thomas Pynchon's novel, Gravity's Rainbow. That's the title of this book. And I mean, it's, it, is, it, it is exactly what it says it is. It is uh, this, this artist, Zach Smith. He's an amazing artist. He just literally, he draws a picture of what happens on every page of Gravity's Rainbow. And my God, I'm like, I'm going to reread Gravity's Rainbow with this accompanying like this is just the greatest it's the greatest accompaniment you could ever have for a book so gravity's rainbow obviously on on the mountain rushmore that book is just it's 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 mind-blowing it really is um, i hope a publisher at some point will actually do the illustrated version of gravity's rainbow so you've got the text and then you've got the illustrations it would be a massive yeah. book It'd be like 1600 pages but you know yeah great but i mean hey there there's not a price high enough i mean we're, we're buying that that's all there is to it right um and i just you know with regards to thomas pinch i just remember again my my professor saying like every like in that book and i'm sure you know this ben but like if it's raining in gravity's rainbow it rained on that day in whatever year. I mean, it's it, the attention to, de to detail, like there's no stone left unturned. And I've always internalized that. And I'm like, that, that's how, that's how I want to write. It's like every detail is going to be legit because I mean, yeah, we write fiction, but I want it to be based in, in truth and reality. So that was a huge takeaway for, for me from reading Pynchon and obviously as a gateway book, I mean, that's led me to, to, to all of his work. So um, it's a, it's a strange road <laughs> you, you go down when you're reading Pynchon, but he's phenomenal. And, and then you talk about the gateway, just the people you meet. Cause again, we're weirdos. If you're into Thomas Pynchon, you know, you're, you're into some, some strange things. And, and I, I just love the people I've encountered who, who are into Thomas Pynchon. So huge, huge gateway book and, and definitely on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, and then the last one is uh, bright lights, big city, Jay McInerney. Um, again, I just, the, the energy, that sort of frenetic energy that he writes with specifically in that book, it's intoxicating. And I picked it up and I don't know if, if you've read that one, but it's written in the second person, which is like wild. <laughs> so it's, it's, you are doing this, you do that. And it just, again, I read that on the recommendation of my uncle, who's an English teacher. He's like, Hey, you got to read this. And, uh, and it just changed my life. It, you know, it's one of those books that made me want to be a writer. Um, and that's, I mean, I've reread that, uh, you know, countless times. And uh, that's, that's absolutely on my, my unassailable Mount Rushmore of my top four of all time. So, um, and then, you know, and, and so have you read that one, Ben? I, sh I should ask. That's one I haven't read yet. So yeah, yeah put it, it on the list. It's, awesome. it's, it's phenomenal. And I give it to, again, most of my buddies are not voracious readers. They're one or two books a year. That's one I give to them. And they're like, holy shit. <laughs> because the, the books they read in, in high school were like, you know, the chrysalids and i mean i don't even know what else we, we were taught in high school but it's it's amazing to have your eyes open to oh there's books like this you know who knew so that's one i, I recommend to, to all my degenerate friends um and then i mean the rest of the top 10 um it's funny i talked about this with uh, the guys on the the bastard sons of oedipus um the book that made me want to be a writer uh, i do not read a lot of stephen king but when I was growing up, we, me and my buddies were absolutely unequivocally obsessed with the movie Stand By Me, which uh, I'm sure you've seen that one. I mean, we just, we reenacted it. We, when we camp out in the Creek, we were just doing everything those guys were doing, you know, stealing cigarettes from our dads and smoking, even though none of us smoked. And it was just, it's a perfect movie. 
And I remember being like 15 years old and finding the book. It's, it's a novella. It's like 120 pages it's called the body. I remember reading it and just being like, Oh my God, like this, this, the book is better than the movie. Like everything that grownups always said is true. You know, the book is better than the movie. And again, coming from a place where it's a perfect movie and nothing could ever be better than it. And then to read the book and, and to, to discover that the book is actually better than the movie. I was like, that blew my mind. And I was like, okay, I want to write like this, you know, and certainly I'm, I'm no Stephen King and I'll never write anything as good as the body. It's a perfect little novella. Uh, but that's the, honestly, that's the book that made me want to be a writer. Yeah. So uh, again, I, I, I let my kids watch the movie stand by me and my kids are 10 and eight. They're too young to watch it, but it's just some bad parenting on my part. I'll take the hit for that. Uh, but they love the movie. My, my eight-year-old, he's obsessed with it this, this sort of the same way I was. So then I told them there was a book and they wanted me to read them the book. So when we read every night, I, I read them that book. I had to swap out a few words that I'm not allowed to say with them, uh, but they loved it. So again, it's opening a new world for them. So um, pretty cool. So The Body by Stephen King. It's part of a, uh, a compilation called Four Seasons or Different Seasons, sorry. Uh, and it's got not only, and this is the, I mean, Stephen King, what more can you say about him? So that that compilation of four novellas has The Body, which they turned into Stand By Me, and The Shawshank Redemption, which, you know, they, it's called Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption in novella form, but they turned that into, into Shawshank Redemption. I mean, it's amazing for two, two novellas to show, you know, to be in the same compilation and be turned into those two movies. So pretty amazing stuff. Wow. Uh, and then, so yeah, so that's sort of five... Uh, and these are in no particular order, but The Sound and the Fury by William Faulkner, um, just a mind-blowing book. Again, I, I, I was taught that book in university. Don't know how I would have uh, interpreted it, especially the first chapter, if I'd had, if I'd had, or the first section, if I'd had to read that uh, alone. But uh, that's just an amazing book. I've reread that two or three times. It is absolutely, if you know what's going on, if, if you're rereading it, it's honestly one of the funniest books in all of literature, it's absolutely hysterical. So um, that book is just amazing. So huge fan of that one. Um, and then uh, a couple of nonfiction books that I really love. Um, and most of the stuff I read is, is fiction, but um, every now and then I'll have, uh, I'll come across a nonfiction work that just blows my mind. And so these two were recommended to me again by um, the same uncle, um, not, not the uncle who's the English teacher who recommended um bright lights, big city, but uh, I've got another uncle who's, uh, sort of, you know, didn't go, didn't go to university. Um, he's a, he's a day trader, uh, but he's got an amazing eye for literature. So these two, um, nonfiction books he recommended, one is called the tender bar by J.R. Moringer. I don't know if, do, do you know that one, Ben? Never heard of that one. What is it? It's an amazing memoir about, uh, a young man who, uh, you know, doesn't really have a father figure in his life. He basically grows up in a bar, you know, it's a, the neighborhood bar uh, and he's just drawn to this bar because that's where the men hang out. And uh, so he just, he grows up with all of these stories. Uh, it's in Long Island in, in Manhasset. So you got a lot of cops, a lot of firemen. It's sort of the place um, where uh, Great Gatsby is, is set, is, is based on Manhasset and Long Island. Um, so he just grows up in the bar and it's sort of his life story, trying to come of age and, and find a father figure in the bar. Uh, and I love it for all those reasons, but there is one scene in particular that is just like, <laughs> it's the greatest scene for my money in any memoir. It's the scene of, uh, of the author losing his virginity. Uh, you know, he, he winds up moving out to Phoenix and uh, he's, uh, he's got this girl uh, and they, they hike up this mountain. I want to say it's called a Camelback Mountain. 
and they get to the top of uh, uh, the mountain and they decide this is going to be the place. This is going to be the time. So <laughs> they're getting into it and he's just about to close the deal. And then she asks him if he's got a condom and he doesn't. So he's got a, he like runs all the way down the mountain, <laughs> gets in his car, drives to a gas station, buys a, you know, a pack of condoms, drives back to the mountain, has to climb the mountain again. Of course, by the time he gets there, this girl, it's been like four hours <laughs> and she's sound asleep. Uh, but anyway, he wakes her up and, and uh, yeah, finally gets it done. It's just the most amazing. It's the most amazing story I've ever heard. And when I was in Phoenix, I clearly had to hike that mountain and, and check it out. So no remnants of, of that fateful night, but just an amazing read. You know, it's it's like it's heartbreaking. It's, it's hilarious. It's it's phenomenal. So, yeah, the tender bar by J.R. Moringer. Um, just a, a great, great read. Um, and then another, you know, the other the only other nonfiction book I've got in my top 10. This is uh this is likely where your, your non-Canadian uh, listeners may tune out for a minute, but uh, there's a book by a great Canadian writer by the name of Dave Bedini, and it's called The Tropic of Hockey. And if you're a hockey player or a hockey fan, and if you're Canadian, like I, I've said to everyone who will listen, it should be absolutely essential reading for any Canadian. It's, it's about, it's nonfiction. So Dave Bedini, he was a guitar player in the band called the Rio Statics, uh, a band here in Canada big, big sort of beer league hockey player. He got this idea that he wanted to travel around the world with his hockey bag, just seeing where people were playing hockey and where could he find a pickup game? And what does the culture look like for hockey players in Mongolia and hockey players in like the United Arab Emirates? And he just travels the world with his hockey bag, finding pickup games. And it is just, it's amazing. It's an amazing sort of heartwarming tale, gives you hope. And again, as, as a Canadian, as a hoser, it's just like, this is, this is where we are with our, our, this game going around the world. It's just, it's an amazing read. So can't recommend it enough to any hockey fans, hockey players, or anyone who's Canadian. So yeah, it's called the Tropic of Hockey by Dave Bedini. So that's, that's a beauty. Um, and then last two, uh, fiction round at the top 10. Um, um, it's a collection of, of, uh, of short stories by Julian Barnes called A History of the World in 10 and a Half Chapters. Um, I don't know if you know that one, just amazing stories that are all sort of interwoven and tied together. Um, there's some amazing stories, you know, one about, um, you know, a, a cruise ship that gets hijacked and, and uh, it's just, it's just, you know, it's an amazing short story. There's a, you know, the, the concluding story uh, is all about uh, what, you know, what Julian Barnes, Barnes's uh, conception of heaven is and what that looks like. And it's a really interesting take on that. Uh, and then the, my favorite chapter out of that is, is called sort of the half chapter. It's called parentheses. It's uh, it's honestly, it's like everything I know about love. I learned from this, this chapter uh, called parentheses in the history of the world in 10 and a half chapters, just an amazing read. So uh, if you're into short stories, that's, that's one I would highly recommend. Uh, and then last, I mean, this was filling out that last spot was tough. I mean, the, the honorable, can I read off my honorable mentions? The ones that didn't make the cut that I had to slice off. Absolutely. All right. So these are the ones that did not make the top 10. And I honestly, I was sitting around for hours today debating this. I mean, honestly. Uh, so the ones that did not make the top 10 that, that were right there. Uh, Dave Eggers, You Shall Know Our Velocity. Um, Train Spotting by Irving Welsh. I mean, that, that, was, that was a tough one to cut out. Um, Born to, I, got, I told you I'm a Springsteen fan. Born to Run. His autobiography is just, an, it's an amazing work. So I 
couldn't that one could not crack the, the top 10 so but bruce springsteen's born to run his autobiography spectacular um the star of the sea by joseph o'connor i don't know if you've read that it's actually yeah sinead o'connor's brother an amazing book and, and again i've I'm, I'm, you know, first generation, uh, Irish, uh, immigrant. My, you know, my, my dad was born in Ireland, all my uncles, they came over in 63. I was the first one in my family born in, in Canada. Um, so the star of the sea, just as an Irish immigrant is an amazing read. Um, the, uh, the fortress of solitude by Jonathan Lethem. I love books that are set in New York city. Uh, and I love books that reference music. And that one is just right at the top of the list. Uh, and then lastly, probably the best book I read last year is a book called Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Um, an amazing read. If, if you're sort of an aspiring writer, as, as many of us are, that's just, just a beautiful read. It's just like the most uplifting, hopeful book. I just can't recommend that one enough. And that's one, it's fun. I would have never read that. My sister bought it for me um, and I loved it. And I've read all of Lily King's work since then. So just can't recommend that one enough. But so none of those made the top 10, sadly. But uh, the last one that made the top 10 for me uh, is High Fidelity by Nick Hornby. Um, I, I just love his writing. I, again, I, I said this earlier. I love books that reference music and that are about music. And that book is just phenomenal. It's just such it, 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 the way Nick Hornby writes. There's, I mean, it's not a coincidence that he's as popular a writer as he is and that all of his books get turned into movies. He's just a beautiful writer. So easy to read. Uh, and I just love that dynamic of, um, you know, the Brits there uh, in the record store, <laughs> you know, they turn it into a movie and set it in Chicago, but high fidelity, the book is set in, in, in London. It's just an amazing read. So that's, that's my top 10. And uh, I, I wish there was room for more. What a good list. So many good recommendations there. Well, thanks. Right. Yeah. That's um. I, I got, what I do, I, like I, I buy a book for my brother and my sister. That's what I get from Christmas every year. It's like, this is the best book I read all year. I hope you'll read it. So they've got all, well, they haven't got Gravity's Rainbow. I don't think I can in good conscience give them that, but uh, <laughs> they've got just about all of those. And honestly, the front runner this year for, um, for the book they're going to be getting for Christmas is, is uh, Any Day You Can Die. That Tommy Waite book is, it's phenomenal. I think it'd be right in their wheelhouse. So that's the front runner for 2021. And yours, of course. Oh my, yeah. Well, I mean, man, I, sh I sure hope they buy it themselves. But you know, <laughs> that, uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, it's funny that that book launch that we're going to have for this. Um, we've got a little space in our backyard, and I've been known to throw a few parties in my day. Uh, for my 40th birthday, um, we were at a, you know our old house, and we had this house party. Um, it was in February. Uh, which is the middle of the winter here in Canada. And we, I've got a, a buddy who plays in this really awesome sort of uh, punk funk band. And we got them to play in our living room. And uh, <laughs> we had this tank full of fish and it, all the fish died from the, from the sound of this punk band. Uh, so we've thrown some good parties in our day. Uh, the plan for the book launch is going to be, you know, we're, we're going to see if we can get the, the police called on, on our, our book reading because uh, I've got some, some guys who don't get out much these days. So we're going to have a good book launch and hopefully everyone will, everyone will buy the book. Um, so I won't need to get it for them for Christmas. So that's, that's the plan anyway. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. So thanks so much for joining us and I uh, look forward to reading your book. All right. Awesome. Yeah, I know, Ben, I really appreciate you having me on here. This was a blast. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing your top 10 list because uh, yours is a, uh, yours, your taste is, is something I'm, I really value. So we're, we're all, we're all pumped up to, to hear your top 10 list when the time is right. 
Very good. All right. Well, hope everyone goes out and buys your book as soon as it's available. And uh, it'll be out on October, what is it, 18th? October 15th is the plan. Yeah. October 15th through Outcast Press. And it's called The Recalcitrant Stuff of Life. Very good. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Zero. All right. Thanks, Ben. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thanks once again to Sean McCallum for joining us on Beyond the Zero. His book is out October 15 through Outcast Press. Check out the show notes for all the details. You can find us on Twitter at Beyond Zero Pod, and you can email us beyondthezeropod at gmail.com. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.